I say professional skier because I get paid to ski. This is the Mongo Game. Good afternoon and welcome to the first edition of the Mountain Goat Game Podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts Jack Wolf and Sean Grayville. We're here to start our pilot episode and kind of get you guys acquainted with the show. Uh, we're going to begin with some introductions to let you guys know about uh, you know who we are and, and what we have going on. My name is Mason Moore. Uh, I go to Texas A&M University. Uh, I, I do a lot of hiking in my spare time, thus the theme of the podcast. Uh, I've been to, this year, I've been to the Eagle Rock Loop in Arkansas. Uh, I've taken a trip to Colorado and a couple of other places, but I'd like to get into that a little later. Um, I really like uh, long-distance backpacking. I mean, medium to long-distance backpacking. 20 to 30 mile trips, those are usually the ideal um, place that I like to be. Um, but that's me, you know, short little intro. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to my friend Sean here. And uh, Sean and I have been friends for about eight years now, yeah? Yeah, that is correct, Mason. Yeah, about eight years now. Um, and so, yeah, I'll turn it over to him. All right, everybody. Like you said, my name is Sean Grayville. I also attend Texas A&M University. Um, just a little bit about myself. Um, again, kind of like Mason, I'm an avid backpacker. I like hiking. I like being in nature. Again, that's why it's a overarching theme of this podcast. Um, I've been snowboarding now for ten years. Um, started hiking just probably two years ago with Mason and all them and our kind of gang and it uh, really took off for me. I really liked it. I've been on some really cool trips. Um, some we'll probably talk about later in later episodes or maybe some even in this episode. Um, just a little more recently, we picked up rock climbing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah just um, because, you know, we're trying to switch more from backpacking to uh, kind of being a little more mountaineerous. Um but other than that, that that's pretty good introduction for me. Probably learn more about us and all in general in later episodes. So I'm going to pass this off to Jack Wolf. All right. My name is Jack Wolf. I'm here with my two good friends, Mason Moore and Sean Grable. I haven't known them as long as they've known each other. We only met <clears throat> about a couple years ago. But to give you a brief introduction to myself, I am a professional skier, a hiker, a hunter, a trapper, and hopefully a soon-to-be mountain biker. Um, I say professional skier because I get paid to ski. I'm, I don't compete or anything. <laughs> I get paid to teach children how to ski. But still a professional as far as I'm concerned, and I'll continue to publicly curse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, but so far, 2019, I, uh, I've done a few things so far. Um, I started off the year in Taos, New Mexico, where... I work as an instructor and ski in my yeah. spare time. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do uh, extreme terrain in resorts, and I've also been dabbling in backcountry skiing lately. Um, I've gotten, I think, probably 20 to 24 days so far in 2019 skiing. Um, that includes days where I'm teaching children. Um, and, and, I mean, this year in Taos, we had 217 inches of snowfall, and... Uh, that's the most I think I've actually ever seen in my life up there. It's definitely the most in the last ten years because I, I yeah, looked at those that's stats the most earlier. I've ever seen yeah. since I've been going to the Red River Taos area. Mm. Um, but I mean, just snow was phenomenal this year. I also got up to Colorado in March and I skied Arapahoe Basin and Copper Mountain. Um, I had some free passes to ski there and I had a great time doing that. I, I found both of them had a lot of really challenging fun terrain um and they were just were packed with snow before i got there so 
I had a great time doing that. Uh, in addition to that, um, i uh been doing some trapping and kind of hog hunting up in here in central Texas, and I trapped a few raccoons, and I've got one skin in the backyard now tanning, finishing up that process, going to make a hat out of it. Uh, a few weeks ago, two of my other friends and I went to Big Bend State Park in Texas, and uh, we completed the hardest hike in the state of Texas, the Rancherius Loop, which is about a 20-mile loop through some really extreme, difficult terrain. We did it in two days and just had a blast doing it. I, I love that part of the country, and I just like getting out there as much as I can. Um, moving forward from here, I, yeah. I really want to... Uh, my next goal is probably climbing Jagged Mountain with these two guys, harness and ropes on, and everything, and then uh, I want to try and return to probably the Gila National Forest because I've had two really rough experiences there. Last time, last year, I came very, very, very close to death, probably closer than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> that was an interesting story to hear when you came yeah. back, man. That was, that was yeah. crazy. But, yeah, I want to... So that's, that's, that's all you need to know about me, I think, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys on this forum. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we all kind of car- uh, carry a common, you know, ground zero. I mean, at least Sean and I do with Jack. The, the first hike that we went on, you know, uh, that was in Taos, uh, two two or three spring breaks, two spring breaks ago, or was it three? Uh, I think it was two. Two, yeah, two. So that very first hike, what, what do you say we go through that and, and about how that experience went? All right. Um, so I'll start, because uh, Jack went up to, we, we were headed to Taos, New Mexico um, to stay, a uh, place that Jack has there, and, and we we, uh, we had to do uh, a really long drive uh, overnight. We started at about, I think we started at 6 p.m., right? It was about, it's about a 14-hour drive. Yeah, so and, was, and we started at like 6 p.m. because, you know, I, we all I, mean, I really think it was even later than that. I'm pretty sure it was closer to like 7. Yeah, so we did an overnight drive. Um, none of us got hardly any Who was sleep. driving with you guys? Uh, I think a- Ashley. Ashley, uh, Ashley and Turner? No, okay. it was Ashley yeah. and... Uh, Styles, Brandon. Brandon, yeah, Brandon Styles, yeah. I was up in Taos waiting for them at this point. Yeah. So we were all in the Taos uh, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, I think. Yeah, 8 or 9 o'clock. Yeah. And uh, we get there, and all of our first idea is just we need to go to sleep. <laughs> we're dead. And I go in there laid out, and you'll, you know, hopefully learn more about me. I, I'm, I'm a guy who likes my sleep. I really appreciate getting to get those Z's. Um, so we got there, I laid down, and then I, I wake up to, I don't remember, was it you or was it Steve or somebody else that was that woke me up? I don't, really, I don't really remember if we went and laid down. I thought we were just, I thought we once we got I think there, the topic, we kind of stayed yeah. there and started talking about, because they were already up and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do like for the day. And you hopped in, like, the conversation. Yeah, yeah. They talked about the hike, and I was like, oh, I don't know. But, you yeah. know, you know, I just, I hadn't, I yeah. hadn't really ever been on a hike before, and... Um, but, I mean, when you got there, you pushed pretty hard to go. Like, yeah, yeah, you're, I mean, you're I hadn't... You excited I hadn't to go. really, I hadn't really um, gotten... I mean, I hadn't gone hiking hardly at all before then. Because, like, once you laid down, the whole reason I think somebody came and woke us up is because you told them that no matter what, you wanted to go on this hike. So like That was what happened. That was what happened. I got in bed, and I said, okay, but when this hike happens, wake me up, and I'll go. And we ended up going. Um, So, Jack, you want to talk about the conditions of this hike? Sure. Um, The hike was in the Carson National Forest on uh, NM150 going up to Towski Valley. It's called Italianos Canyon. Um, it's a hike I, I've done it in the summer, uh, probably a dozen or so times. Um, 
And in summer, it's a pretty big attraction. There's quite a few hikes. There's four really big hikes on that 150 going up to the Ski Valley, and Italianos is probably the most traveled hike there. Um, it's about, a, I think, a seven- or eight-mile hike all the way up to Lobo Peak from the base of of the mountain, and 150 is just a mountain road in between two mountains, and so it's really intense elevation. Um, you're just you're going off the side of the road up a mountain to the top, but in the summer, it's one of the... It's probably the most popular hike on that stretch of road because about halfway up, maybe a little more, maybe about 60% of the way, there's the, the trees just open up and there's a gigantic meadow. And I've gone in the summer before and you pick strawberries and you eat them and you look at the flowers and they're just beautiful. There's bees everywhere. It's just, just stunning. And the river runs right next to it. And it's just beautiful. But it was spring break and it was... Uh, not the summer. <laughs> it was not the summer. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> uh, it was spring break. But we weren't. We were having a a really bad snow year. Um, it was actually yeah. So it wasn't this most previous spring break. It was the one before that. Yeah. And that year, Taos Ski Valley. So like I said, this year we experienced 217 inches of snow. That year, Taos Ski Valley, the entire year experienced 78 inches of snow. Yeah, it was so, one of their worst winters in it was, a while. It was one of their like worst. They had almost like delay, like opening. Yeah. There wasn't enough snow base. Yeah, definitely. And there wasn't a lot of snow, and I wasn't expecting a lot of snow. And I wasn't expecting, uh, if I'm honest, I would have expected people to be hiking that trail more than they did. But we, we get to the hike, we start climbing. Um, Mason had a, <laughs> he had packed some beers in his hiking backpack. My first time hiking, I decided I wanted to take a couple of pounds of beer, with me, which, <laughs> yeah. was, which really sums up my personality pretty well. <laughs> kind of impulsive, but hey, I, we, we, I mean, yeah, they were really good. They, I enjoyed having those beers <laughs> a mile into the trail. <laughs> the, uh, the trail was pretty well packed, but with I, snow. So I just want to get back to the reason. Why did Mason even bring the backpack in the first place? Because nobody beer, else brought it. Because of the beer. Bro. Mason, he brought, bring he the brought beer. beer in his backpack, and he wanted to, br- he wanted to drink beer. Um, but for the first uh, 80 yards of the trail it was pretty well packed but it was snow so it was kind of slick and icy and then as we continued on about a quarter mile into the trail the it seemed like no one had walked walked there for quite a few weeks and then by the time we had made it a half mile into the trail we were pretty much treading on virgin snow Um, at this point it was only you know lower calf deep, but it got to a point later on in the trail where we, it was mid-thigh. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. And it was just it was I had never, never really been on any any sort of hike longer than, you know, two, two or three miles max mm. before then. And so here I am, my very first hike, that the serious hike that I am. I'm in jeans and a, and a pair of, you know, Doc Martin work boots or, or whatever they were, and trudging through thigh-high snow. And, and yeah. Well, yeah, and put this into perspective, this was like my very very first hike like i had never been on any sort of like hike in my life before you know i mean i've walked through like nature but it's it was never like a hike yeah the key i think there's it's pretty it's pretty important to determine the distinction between like a nature walk and a hike because a lot of people will claim to be hiking and and they'll go you know somewhere a mile or two and say oh yeah i went on a hike and to me i don't know it just seems like 
it's more of a nature walk than anything else. Yeah, that's fair. I would agree with that. So, you know, I've never been hiking before. And, and in that sense, I had never been hiking before either, you know? And, so, and, uh, and uh, a good representation of our clothing, we, we were really not prepared for, like, a winter kind of day. I had a long sleeve shirt and, like, a very thin leather jacket. I was in blue jeans. And I was in, like, Adidas, like, running shoes. That were, you, were you cold, though? I, I got, my feet got pretty cold. Your feet cold got there. cold. Yeah, the, the everyone's, started to hurt. Everyone's feet got cold. But as like, far as body temperature was going, I think we were all pretty good on body temperature. Yeah. We well, were all yeah, sweating. Because we were all putting in some work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we, we fucking took our first break. I mean, again, I'm not an in-shape dude at the time. And we, we made our first stop a mile into the hike. And I'll never forget Jack Wolf. Dude, it's only, <laughs> it's only a mile, maybe two miles further. And then, uh, and then I heard that a lot more. <laughs> and then I went, oh, there's no way. And then Mason may be trying to save some face here. We made multiple stops within, <laughs> yeah. within the yeah. first, first mile. mile. Okay, I mean, all right. Yeah, that's our first. Our first oh. stop was about... Ten minutes into the hike, when Mason could no longer carry his bag, <laughs> I had to hand my backpack off. I'm not exaggerating. Ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. I can back that. I up. had. I had to carry his backpack, and uh, I mean, it was, we drank the. Well, we drank the beer first. We drank the beer within ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, we hike. drank the. We drank the beer right. Right when we handed the backpack off to me, because I didn't want to carry the beer, but. We, <laughs> you couldn't even drink your beer. Yeah, I do. Remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, but again, I mean, we did just stay up all night. And yeah, Mason's was... physically exerting himself. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how much of the sleep factor was actually a part of it. I claim that it's a lot. I claim that the reason that I had to do that was because I sleep a lot. But I was not in hiking shape. But. The moral of that story is, you know... Well, I, the moral of the story is probably about three miles in, he didn't have anything on his upper torso. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did shed all and of my And he was laying... At one point, he was just on his knees, shoveling snow into his mouth because yeah, he needed water. Yeah, I was water. instructed, don't eat the snow, <laughs> don't lay in the snow, don't sit in the snow, and I didn't follow any of those I was just saying, he did all of those things. <laughs> Jack Wolf looking back, Mason, get the hell! I definitely undersold the difficulty of the hike. Yeah, man. And, uh, and, and every time we asked how much longer, bro, you gave us some bull answers, bro. I did. Like, I gave them some bullshit answers. I was a little confused myself, and I also overestimated how fast we were going in the snow, because we were going very, very slowly. <laughs> in hindsight, not just because we were stopping, but because... After a mile and a half, two miles, we were in thigh-deep snow, and it was me and our friend Steve and our friend Curry in the front, who were... We had some pretty good cardio, and we're in pretty good shape at that point, and we were just treading the path, or treading the path through the fresh snow, kind of switching off between us. Uh... Wasn't it, wasn't it Turner who was with y'all? Because Curry stayed back. Curry stayed with back. Us. Maybe Turner was with us then, yeah. But after a while, me and Turner both got a little tired of it and just let Steve take point the whole time. And that guy's just an animal. He's much taller than us too, so he had a good, he had an easier time going through it than us. And he can tap into some crazy endurance. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll hear from Steve later. I'm sure eventually he'll he'll show up on the podcast. Yeah, Curry probably um, show up on but, the pad cut. 
podcast too. And, and the way, and I think this is a really important. It's important to include this in the story. The the reason that we bring up this this particular hike is uh, this this hike is kind of what inspired Sean and myself to really get into it because it was it was a huge challenge, and I had never been challenged like that. I mean, I had in, in other aspects of my life, but. As far as just hiking it, and I had but a I would really say you hadn't been challenged in a while. Yeah, um, and I had was... a really, I had a really great time hiking. It was exhausting, but I, I just told myself, "Well, I don't ever want to be at that far at the back of the pack again." And so, ever since then, you know, we've gone on multiple hikes, uh, tons of them. And um, yeah, and it's, it's, and every time it's been an improvement. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. been an improvement. And so, yeah, now we, we're doing. 20, 30 mile trips uh, on a semi regular basis, and maybe I'd like to go more, but we do what we can. Yeah, so you now we are we are students yeah. and working, so it is kind of hard to hit the trail lately. Yeah. But okay, hopefully. well, we will be right back with the Mountain Goat Gang podcast. But first, please take a moment to subscribe and like and share this podcast with all of your friends who are nature lovers and whatnot. Remember, this land is public land. It's your land. It's my land. Let's keep it that way. This is the Mountain Goat Gang. This is the Mountain Goat Gang. Welcome back to the Mountain Goat Gang Podcast. I'm here with my friends Jack and Sean, and we are going to talk about an interesting article from National Geographic. Uh, It's titled, Day Hikers are the Most Vulnerable in Survival Situations. Here's why. It's from Nat Geo. I'll include a link in whatever we post this on. And uh, so that way you can give it a quick read. Uh, but to summarize, uh, the article is, is is stating the risks that people who don't plan on staying overnight uh, on, on hikes or, or backpacking trips, uh, the risks that they that are posed to them uh, if they're not prepared to you know stay overnight, uh, and, and the issues that they fo- they face when. Um, they fall off the trail, or you find yourself in a situation where you can't find your way back. Uh, and it's a great read. Uh, like I said, I'll put it in the description. Uh, but I wanted to offer the opportunity for Jack to throw some input in uh, on this article. All right. Well, uh, one really interesting statistic that I read in it, uh, search and rescue operations are three times as likely to be uh, uh, taken in response to a lost day hiker than a lost overnight overnight backpacker, um, really? which yeah, which kind of goes it was in the article. And it kind of goes yeah, to show yeah, the right. uh, I just uh, how true. I mean, how crazy it is because that is that is crazy to me. Uh, but one thing I'd I'd have to say is, uh, and I'd re- recommend every single person listening to this podcast if you like hiking and you don't have one, go out and buy one this second on Amazon. Just a handheld GPS device. Yeah, I've entered into hiking situations without it and with it, and uh, I can say that I feel much more secure when I'm lost with a GPS device versus without a GPS but device. Shouldn't you still have to like learn yeah. how to navigate without a GPS device? Well, that's you know, true. With a map and, and a compass. And a lot of a lot of people will hear when they're talking to experienced professionals, they'll they'll emphasize, um, you know. Always have a map and compass. Always have a map and compass and know how to use it, which is absolutely true. Even with a GPS, you should always take a map and compass with you. But the thing is, is if you G- if you have a GPS, that's better than not having a GPS because if you can if you can just plug some coordinates in and say, okay, this is how I get back, and not have to worry about the map and compass, 
that is going to put you in, in an immensely, immensely better situation yeah, I mean, I agree than just that. having the map and yes, compass. I agree. Now, again, another thing is if you have a map and compass, you really need to understand how to use it. Because a lot of people will just assume, well, you know, how hard can it be? You just point the arrow at north and, and you orient yourself on the map. But finding out where you're actually at on a map when you don't have any clue, it, you know, thinking you can just use landmarks like mountains and whatnot and, and just find yourself. I mean, it takes people years to learn how to do that. And, and just assuming that, well, I'm just going to go... It, it's just a day hike, you know, it's going to be a couple miles. I have my map and compass with me and I'll be all right. Um, I, I, I would carry a GPS. I agree with you, Jack. I would carry a GPS on every hike that I go on. And you've had one at least every hike that we have. Yeah, but I just wanted to point out the, you know, the fact yeah. that being able to use a map and compass is still a very, Oh yeah. It's, it's an incredibly valuable skill. And it's, it's one of the first things you should do if you venture into the hobby is learn how to use a map and compass. But then once you know how to use it, you know, Practice, especially on the trail, I think. Uh, practice. I would say practice with using a GPS. Yeah. Uh, pra- well, practice with both. You know, use your yeah. GPS, but also every once in a while, your map you compass. Get, that way you get both. And see where you're, you're at familiar on the map. with both And, and it's, it's also good to use as checking your position. You know, you think you know where you're at on the map and you have a compass. You can use a GPS to just plug it in real quick and see if you're right. And if you're wrong, you know, you, you, know, you need you to know. work on improving the skill set that you have. Yeah, I, uh, I'll usually have a GPS on every single hike I go on these days. Um, and my goal is to leave it turned off in my backpack because that's, that's where I like to keep it because I can usually navigate with compass and map. But, you know, there have been a few times where I cannot navigate with compass and map. And uh, one time I did not have a GPS with me. And uh, that was very scary. That was, that was in the Gila National Forest, and that's what made me go home and buy a GPS the next week. <laughs> uh, to, to quote you earlier, you actually said that you came close, close to, to death about this particular high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Um, I guess I can, like, kind of... That, that's probably the best story I have as far as my experience with getting lost. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd like to tell it. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, dude. So uh, the story, I guess, starts in 2011 when there was a giant fire in the Gila National Forest. And for those who don't know, the Gila National Forest is one of the largest contiguous national forests in the United States, or in the lower, I guess probably in the whole United States. Um, and uh, it's the, the Gila Wilderness Within is the largest wilderness area in the entire United States. Um, and the first, I think. Pretty sure the first. Um, and it's situated on the Arizona-New Mexico border, uh, about a third of the way north from the southern border of the two. Um, and there are Mexican wolves that roam around there, and that's why I like it so much, because I like wolves. Um, but there's a big fire in there in 2011, which damaged uh, a little over half the hiking trails, I believe, in the, in the entire trail system. And the National Forest Service has not uh, maintained those trails since then. Um, but the problem is, all the maps you buy, like the USGS topo maps that you can buy or download, they still have all those trails listed. And uh, so we went ahead and uh, called the ranger station and talked to them about the trail, but I don't want to trash the ranger station too much, but they were not useful in the slightest <laughs> talking about it. They did it. claim that the trails were still there, right? No, she just... The person I talked to just had no idea what I was talking about the whole time. Maybe I should have... But this was after I'd called six or seven times and no one had picked up. So the first person that picked up didn't just was so useless. I decided, ah, we're going to go. But anyways, uh, the fire had destroyed this trail in 2011. It was 2000 and... 
18 when we were hiking it. And my dad and I had actually been to the National Forest the year following the fire. And the rivers were running black and kept breaking our water filters because of all the soot that was still in them from the year before. Um, but we go on... We find the tr- the old trailhead where it splits off of the trail was still there for the Iron Creek Trail. And uh, we kept, we were losing it and finding it and losing it and finding it. And then we just kind of lost it and would sort of find it. We thought maybe this is a trail. Um, then we'd lose it for long periods of time. But we know that we were supposed to head west across Iron Creek Mesa. And we kept going and we kept finding trails. But I, I realized about halfway through that first day... There are no longer uh, human footprints on these trails. It's all elk tracks. And uh, so I think right about then we we stopped following anywhere where the trail used to be and just started following game trails. Um, and uh, we uh, set up camp after getting into some pretty dangerous terrain in a ravine. And uh, I wanted to figure out where we were exactly because the way Iron Creek Mesa is set up, it's a... Uh, a, a, a mesa that's much much longer east-west than it is north-south. It's only about a mile and a half north-south versus uh, five or six miles east-west. Um, and I was pretty sure that we were on the southern end of the mesa because there was a little creek bed down there, and I was pretty sure that was supposed to be Iron Creek, which is on the southern edge of the mesa. But I wanted to go make sure that the Gila River was on the northern side because the Gila River flew, flew through the, uh, flowed through a canyon that was 800 feet deep, and it was a big, always-flowing river, so it would be very hard to mistake. And so from camp, I, I took out north by myself, building cairns on the way there to make sure that I could get back. And that's another important thing to do. Um, I stumbled upon the, the canyon, looked down, I said, yep, that's an 800-foot canyon with the river at the bottom. All right, we're on the correct mesa. I uh, returned back to camp following my cairns, and uh, day two, we managed to find our way back to the trailhead. But uh, there's some kind of important things there that I learned, um, and that I think can be really useful uh, to anyone trying to listen to this podcast or anyone reading the article that we read. Um, and the first thing is, uh, just because you see a, a path doesn't mean it's the hiking trail you're supposed to be on. Um, I mean, we're not the only people out there in national forests or national parks there are animals that weigh much more than us and can make a, can tread a trail much much easier than us. For like elk, for instance, I mean, there were just so many different game trails of elk on that mesa that once once I picked up on it, I just started noticing them all over the place. And that's a really easy way, I think, to just wander off yeah, a hiking trail, trails. just follow a game trail. Um, and they're they're never marked on maps. And if it's used enough, and if it's a remote enough country. They will be just as worn in as a hiking trail, like a hundred percent. They will be two feet wide, completely, you know, beat down two inches from on either side, or beat down two inches from the normal ground on either side of it. Totally dirt, no no plants growing over it. So you look at it, and that looks like a backcountry hiking trail, um, but it's not. So be very careful following game trails. And uh, I just. If, if you look at the trail closely, not like superficially like what I was describing, if you get down, nose in the dirt, and you look in that trail, and you're only seeing elk or white-tailed deer tracks or hog tracks, it's probably not a hiking trail. It's probably a game trail. Um, and then another thing, uh, once we set up camp and I scouted north, I built cairns on the way back. And so when I knew right then... I knew two things. One, that I didn't have a GPS. And two, that I was venturing out on my own, um, deliberately going off trail in a wilderness area. 
And so I knew it would be pretty hard to find my way back. Also because I didn't really know where our camp was. I just knew I didn't have really a sense of on the map where it was. I knew where it was physically when I was there. So if if you ever decide you're going to take an extended expedition off the trail, which I don't discourage, you don't have to always be on a hiking trail. Going off trail is super fun. Um, you just need to be properly prepared. You need to be yeah. properly prepared, and one way, you build cairns. And if you're going off the trail and you want to get back onto the trail, just follow your cairns to get back. And here, a little tip, make them as big as possible. Because mine were about 80 yards apart, and I just, I was straight up leaning 10-foot tall pieces of wood up against trees right next to my cairns so I could see them. I mean, you have to make them big. And also etiquette, too. You don't want to potentially confuse anyone else that may be in the same situation as, or in a different situation as you, but in the same area. So as you're going back and following your own cairns, kick them over, tear them down. Because a cairn is, I don't know, kind of a sacred thing in the backcountry. You know, you see a cairn, you say, all right, I'm on trail. But if you're just building random cairns for your personal use, and then you leave them up there, and you draw someone off the trail, you'll never know that you did that, but you just want to avoid that scenario at all costs. Um, but also, what I could have done uh, to get less lost out there, um, and what I've since 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 that trip, I've really been keen on doing this, is if you think you might be off trail, you kind of haven't seen a cairn in a while, the trail's a little faint or something, don't look for the trail. Stop, turn 180 degrees, and walk back in the direction you came. You know that direction. You don't know any other direction. You only know where you've been, and you got to think to yourself, where's the last time I saw a tra- I saw a cairn? I knew I was on the trail. I saw some sign or a landmark that was very distinct. And you've got to turn around and walk backwards to get there. If you try and go in any other direction and thinking maybe the trail's up there, you're going to get more and more and more and more lost until a search and rescue operation needs to uh, needs to get called for you, or you die. Because if we if in the Gila National Forest, we would have died. We had a uh, really short on water, right? Yeah, we were very. It was very. Yeah, it was August, really hot. Uh, very little water was taken. Yeah, very, no, that, there was a fair amount that was taken. It was just gone through because there was wow, supposed to be sources. Well, Jack was saying how he wanted. People to bring more water than yeah, they, I, I and carry they a lot. Of water. Yeah, that, that in itself is another too. tip. Carry as much water as you can possibly carry with you comfortably. Like if you can complete the hike, if, you should never get done with the hike and think, "Man, I could have carried some more water." Because water is just it's gold out there. You know, if you, if you don't come across a stream or a creek or something, yeah, and if you, you don't have a good know, water source, you, uh, you you're gonna live on what you got, and that's all you got. And so. we we found one water source when we were out there, and it was. An eight inch deep, yellow as your piss mosquito larva factory. It seemed and like you guys had broken your filters, or they weren't working, or whatever. They weren't working, so we had chlorine tablets. Yeah, so filtered that was it. Fine. Filtered or chlorine drops with the t-shirt, and then boiled, and then dropped in chlorine. We didn't boil it. We just dropped in the chlorine. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man, I didn't know that. All right. Well, thank you, Jack, for your interpretation of that article and, and sharing your experiences. Uh, anybody else have anything else they'd like to say? Mm. I just think Jack brought up some very good points, and now talking about the water thing, I always, I would always recommend carrying a way to filter water. Oh yeah, a filter, too. a filter. It's twenty dollars at Walmart. I would highly recommend the uh, the squeeze filters, the Sawyer squeeze filter. Um, I've used that on almost every hike yeah, that I've gone they, on. They and don't, they don't weigh nothing, and they really yeah. don't take up that much space. 
not for the utility they're needed so, for. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank uh, you guys. Yeah. Just to uh, recap, if you don't want to get lost, step one: bring a GPS. Step two: know how to use GPS and map and compass. Step three: if you think you are lost, turn around. Don't go in any other direction. Turn straight around. Step four: if uh, if you're only seeing game trails on your trail. You're on a game trail. You know, if you're, game tracks. If you're only seeing game tracks on your trail, yeah, you're on a game trail. And, uh, yeah, also bring water. Now, bring, bring enough water and bring a device or a chemical that will purify water. I've had some friends get Giardia, and uh, it's way less fun. Probably about as fun as dying. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's my tips about not getting lost. Don't be an idiot. But uh, have some fun, you know, go out there and... Uh, yeah, that's the whole point, always have some fun. Challenge oh, yeah. yourself, push yourself, but don't die, and then you'll just come out stronger. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Mountain Goat Gang podcast. Remember, this land is your land, this land is my land. Let's keep it that way, uh, and thank you guys for listening. This is the Mountain Goat Gang.